didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. We have now covered every single episode of every single season that's available, and we are in the deep, dark void as we wait for season five. And this week, we have one of our influence episodes, and we're talking about Ghostbusters. So Colin is here with your summary. We begin at the New York Public Library, where a darling little librarian has a particularly shocking encounter with a ghost, prompting Columbia University professors Peter Venkman, Ray Stantz, and Egon Spengler to investigate. They find the ghost themselves only to return to campus and be summarily fired. The trio decides it's the perfect time to open their own ghost hunting business. Across town, Dana Barrett arrives home to an egg fry encounter in a very weird fridge, prompting her to visit Ghostbusters HQ. Later on, the guys are called to a hotel where they meet, are slimed by, and eventually capture a ghost. Overnight, the Ghostbusters become famous, their phone is ringing off the hook, and they hire Winston to keep up. Enter EPA douchebag Walter Peck, who wants them to shut their operation down, but Peter politely declines. Dana, meanwhile, gets possessed by Zool, the gatekeeper and servant of Gozer the Gozerian. Her neighbor, Louis Tully, is also possessed by Vince Clortho, the keymaster, Lewis gets arrested, and the Ghostbusters take him in to investigate. Just then, Peck comes back and demands the Ghostbusters empty their ghost containment unit, which causes all kinds of problems in the city. Lewis eventually makes his way to meet Dana, and the Ghostbusters figure out that Dana and Lewis's building is a big antenna designed to call Gozer and, well, end life on the world as we know it. After a particularly hilarious meeting with the mayor, the Ghostbusters are hired to save the day. When they get to the apartment building, the guys meet Gozer, who tells them to go ahead and pick the form of their destructor. Ray can't get the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man out of his mind, so sure enough, a 10-story version arrives and starts his reign of destruction. The Ghostbusters decide to cross the streams, and it's just enough to blow up old Stay Puffed and end the threat. Dana and Lewis become human again, and our guys are heroes. The end of Ghostbusters. You are favorite movie of all time. Of all time. And I saw it at a mere four years of age, which is entirely too young. Well, I guess like a lot of it goes over your head. Like a lot of like the sexual references. So you were, are... you were in the theater seeing it? I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I remember seeing it like at home. Because I think VHS was probably 85. Oh, really? Then maybe I yeah. didn't see it the year. I remember yeah, I seeing it, was, yeah. it and being absolutely terrified by the librarian ghost at the beginning like that oh, yeah. was the scariest thing i'd ever seen yeah and yeah that was pretty i mean i was math i think i was almost 13 because i turned 13 in august of 84 so yeah but yeah that that first ghost when it like goes right yes like, yeah it was like really scary for me as a small child and i swear we've rented this because we also re- rented poltergeist yeah, and it was all that like, was that was 80, 81, right? It was 81? 82. Poltergeist 82, came out in 82. Right. 82, right. And I was four when I saw Poltergeist. Yeah. Because my parents just weren't paying attention. Oh, Brenda, Brenda, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my mom actually did not know what Poltergeist was. And my dad brought it home and was like, no, it, it's a Steven Spielberg. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyway, it's a. Ghostbusters, June 8th, 1984. It arrived in theaters. It was written by Dan Aykroyd primarily, 
and Harold Ramis did a couple of tweaks here and there, but they both get screenwriting credit. Credit. It was directed by Ivan Reitman, who directed Stripes in 81 and then went on to uh, direct Twins in 88 and Dave, which is a great movie, mm-hmm. in 93. So when Ackward was writing it, he originally wrote it for himself and John Belushi and Eddie Murphy to co-star. So the yes. three of them would have been the Ghostbusters. And Ackward said he was actually working on the script when he got the call, I think from Bernie Brillstein, that John Belushi had, died. had died. Yeah. So Well, they were uh, like best, best friends. And oh, God, yeah. They were the Blues Brothers and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was out. He had Belushi. No, this is like off topic a little bit. But Belushi was out at that um, Chateau, whatever it is in Hollywood. Marmont. Yeah. yeah. Marmont. When he OD'd. Yep. So the cast is Bill Murray as Peter Venkman, Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance, Harold Ramis as Egon, Ernie Hudson as Winston, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, Annie Potts, of course, also in it. Had a $25 million budget, had a $13 million opening weekend, and went on to earn $295 million total. It's opening weekend in June of 84. It was the number one movie. Gremlins, in its first week, was number two. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yes, I saw all these movies in the... I know I saw Temple of Doom in the theater, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe so, I yeah, did you, see you, Ghostbusters. Did. And th- I don't yeah. know. They were they were all PG, so yeah. Yeah, my, my, yeah, like it would have mattered I, though. <laughs> I don't think they would be. I don't know if they would be these days. Well, Ghostbusters probably would be. Gremlins might be thirteen. I'm not sure. I feel like uh, Ghostbusters might be PG thirteen. We'll get to it. But Harriet mentions the scene with uh, Ray and the ghost in the bed. Oh, that's true. Which yeah, is right. very odd. It is a very like strange scene to put in there. Like it. Right. Yeah. It just yeah. did not. Yeah, it was kind of in- incongruous, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And obviously so, that went over my head as a kid. Sure. But, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a little weird. So Temple of Doom was number three in its third week. Star Trek three was number four in its second week. And also in its first week at number five, Beat Street, which came out that exact same weekend. I've never even heard of it. I've heard of it. I don't know if I saw it or not. It was it was a breakdancing movie. It was funny. And and I don't know if it's in the clip I'll play later, but in Siskel and Ebert's review, they reviewed Ghostbusters and Beat Street. And they said the latest breakdancing movie. <laughs> like, well, we're, there's a electric... the point that there's more than, you know. Yeah, there so was funny, electric. But, you know, uh, yet another breakdancing what movie. What was it? Was electric Avenue or Boogaloo? Electric uh, Boogaloo. Yeah, Breaking. Yes. Yeah. Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. Yes. It was a, it was a breakdancing era. <laughs> yeah. Awards-wise, it was nominated for Best Song for Ray Parker Jr.'s uh, title track. I will say that that is one thing that kids these days do not get to experience, is when, like, some really, like, popular artist comes out, which maybe he wasn't really popular. Maybe this is what made him popular. Usually Kenny Loggins, yeah. Yes, but yes, Kenny Loggins. (laughs) And then they would do a music video and it would have the people from the movie in the music video. And it was like, oh, it was yes, like a crossover yeah. of like the best of both worlds. Like yeah. the, the Ghostbusters video has, I think Chevy Chase in it yeah. randomly. And I remember the Spies Like Us. Remember Spies Like Us? Mm. Was Dan Aykroyd was in that and they were in that music video. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I feel like they don't get that anymore. Like you don't have a no. movie that comes out with a song that you're like. I mean, other than James Bond, you really don't get. A lot no, of, like, but I feel like they did that from... a lot in in the eighties, like Footloose. Yeah, I mean, you think of yeah, like Footloose and, uh, and Back Top to the Gun, Future, Back to the yeah. Future. 
Yeah. Yeah. You guys don't get yeah. that. And it was, it was something special. I'll tell you. It was. Yeah. So nominated for best song, also nominated for visual effects, but lost both of them, but it did win best fantasy film at the 1985 Saturn awards. And it was up against Greystoke, the legend of Tarzan, temple of doom splash and the never ending story. And it won. Oh, it was so funny because I remember seeing this in the theater and I've seen it several times since, but I think it's been a good, it's probably been a good five-ish years since I've seen it. And I'd forgotten like all the great lines. Oh, there's so many. I can, I can literally quote it from yeah. start to finish. And we probably, well, I probably put this movie on at least once a month, maybe more. I just put it on as like background. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. it's just one of those I've seen so many times I can watch it over yeah. and over. But like the other, it was a couple weeks ago, I actually sat down on like a Saturday night and I forget what Mike was doing. He had something to do. So it was just me. And I was like, I'm just going to sit down here and watch Ghostbusters. And I like <laughs> paid attention and was watching. It was just as great as the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's it's really good. I, I still use the dog and cats living together mass hysteria line. I use that one. And we always use, um, because Ruby, we have a dog, we have three dogs, but Ruby is our little pug. And um, when she was really little, when she was a puppy, she banged her head against another dog. They were running for a ball at the same time and her eyeball popped out and okay. we had to rush her to the emergency room. Like the vet, it wasn't like dangling, but it was right. like popped out, but she pushed it back in. So she was fine. But her eyes have always been a little bit wonky since then. <laughs> so you can't ever really tell where she's looking exactly. And we always say, like, if she's looking at one of us, one of us will go, it's looking at me, right? <laughs> we say that Great. all the time. That one. And um, I always do the uh, listen, you smell something. Yes, that okay, one. Which is good. And what is the what does the maid say? There's a line that the maid says that cracks me up every single time. Sorry, I'm sorry. We thought you were someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like all the it is. It's, it's really good. There's just so many lines. Oh, yeah. Movies. Like, it's just one of yeah, the most. Mother port- Puss Bucket. Yes. Yeah. One of the most horrible uh, movies of all time. So we usually play the trailer. So here's a little bit from the, from the trailer for the original trailer for Ghostbusters. Ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. (laughs) Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. I love I love that voice. It's not Don LaFontaine, but he's like the same voice that we've I always think of, you know, Don LaFontaine as the 80s movie trailer guy, the inner world. You know that guy? You know, I don't this, know if but I... this is the same guy. He's done all the trailers for Gremlins and Goonies and E.T. and I don't just, know if just... I could tell you. If I've ever seen the Ghostbusters trailer. 
Oh, I'll, I'll post a link so everybody can watch it. I'll watch it. There you go. So Siskel and Ebert both gave it thumbs up. Gene Siskel in his review said, Ghostbusters is full of the latest technology because... <laughs> What does he mean? Which is hilarious in and of itself. What does he mean? Like just showing the ghost? Yeah, just the visual effects. It was nominated for visual effects. Okay. Uh, Because one suspects producer-director Ivan Reitman is trying to hook the video-crazed teenage audience. That's too bad, Siskel says. He has made a movie with a split personality. In another transparent marketing move, a black actor, Ernie Hudson, pops up late in the film as the fourth Ghostbuster. His character is never developed, making him appear as only a token box office lure. Still, on balance, Ghostbusters is a hoot. It's Murray's picture, and in a triumph of mind over matter, he blows away the film's boring special effects with his one-liners. I'll post a link to the... Well, they're going... What what do they mean? They're talking about how it's... Like full of the latest technology, but then they call it boring special effects. I think it's just, it was distracting because, I mean, Siskel is always about the story and the characters. Oh. So, and I'll, here's a little clip from Ebert talking uh, from their little, at the movies too. Usually when a movie has a lot of special effects, there's a danger that the characters will look like they're simply standing around posing in front of the special effects. Not in Ghostbusters. This is one of the slyest, wittiest big budget movies I've seen in a long time. And the climactic scene where Manhattan is threatened by this really unexpected 20-story high monster <laughs> has one of the funniest single shots I've ever seen. And I would tell you what that shot was, but it would spoil that moment of wonderful surprise. So I'm, my lips are sealed. It comes off from another planet, I think, is basically <laughs> the whole idea. 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't too shabby for uh, critic score, 88% audience score. Always so, shocks uh, me when movies like this have a lower audience score than a critic score. The Ghostbusters especially. You would think yeah. that the audience score would be through the roof for this. Yeah. Movie, but, you know, so. Yeah. So that's Ghostbusters in a nutshell, and we can start tying it in with old Stranger Things. Speaking of which, how about the uh, Super Bowl ad with Priya Ferguson and Will Ferrell? That was kind of yes, cute. Yes, it was. It was super cute. But I, this is a small rant aside from, but it's just like all the commercials are released early now. I saw this one yeah. before the Super Bowl. I make I make a point of not watching them, but yeah, it's kind of spoils, you know. Walter White's in a Super Bowl ad, and you yeah, know, Will Ferrell's in, and Priya Ferguson's in a Super Bowl ad. And I'm like, no, yeah. don't tell me this. I know because we're like not going to because we're not going to watch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a little backstory on you know Stranger Things and Ghostbusters. Obviously, the Duffers. Um, well, here here's the Duffers talking about there and we'll get to this obviously later on too obviously but here's the ghost uh, the duffer is talking about ghostbusters in there and its relevance to stranger things ghostbusters is one of our favorite films of all time i i i I mean i we watched it way too many times as children so it's it's all over the show it's one of the one you know we gave a pretty the probably the most direct reference to ghostbusters in season two when we obviously have the kids dress up as ghostbusters because we were trying to figure out what they're going to wear for halloween one of them was going to always be a ghostbusters and then someone was like why aren't they all just ghostbusters they can each be a ghostbusters and that and so that was so fun dressing up all of our kids and also deciding um, these characters and deciding who would be who when we you know just arguing about in the room and being like everyone would want to be vankman and so that sort of led to the the Venkman uh, argument. Why are you Venkman? Because I'm Venkman. No, I'm Venkman. Why can't there just be two Venkmans? Because there's only one Venkman in real life. We planned this months ago. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not as simple as saying, hey, let's put these kids in, mm-hmm. in Ghostbusters outfits. They actually had to do, they had to jump through hoops for this. But I always feel like Ivan Reitman, who just, he just recently passed. 
right? Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like he is always portrayed as like the nicest man. Like I could not have ever imagined him saying no. I really couldn't. Like when they had to go talk to him to see if they would let him use this. Like I just can't. I feel like he was just no. like, absolutely. Of course yeah. you can use it. Yeah, you know, so I, I have a link actually. Entertainment Weekly did a story on it, and then um, and we'll talk about the, about that a little bit more too when we get into our top fives because there's a neat little thing in there about that too. But yeah, they had to go to Wrightman and Ackroyd and say, "Hey, can we use the costumes?" And of course, they said yes, and and went from there. And then you actually wrote a whole article about all the Ghostbusters was part of it, but you know, so we'll, we'll yeah, there's actually a couple about I've written about Stranger Things and the Ghostbusters and the Duffers and all that stuff. It's all covered. Yeah, so we'll link to that too. So, okay, you want to get into the top five, and then we'll get well, on with our let's happy do emails. It. Yes. So at number five, we have Dustin's love of Ghostbusters. He's a child after my own heart, clearly. In season two, he you ha- see that he has the certificate of anti paranormal proficiency on his wall. You see it when he's in the dart scenes, which oh, when he puts dart into the terrarium. Yeah, yeah and he. I feel like season two is definitely the most influenced, but like you said, oh, yeah. you, you and I were talking earlier that it's more just Easter eggs throughout. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people just automatically associate this time period with Ghostbusters. So yeah. I think that's what a lot of it is. Well, I noticed that too. I mean, just watching Ghostbusters, I mean, just the feel, you know, mm-hmm. the eighties and the, and the, you know, the technology, a lack of technology and the cars and the, you know, the phones mm-hmm. and the, you know, it just, and the, you know, it just, it just has the vibe, you know, that obviously Stranger Things does too. So, but that's yeah. not really a, a, you know, a top five thing. So, no. So then we see, we have season four. There's a couple where we see that um, the International Ghostbusters Club membership application and it's at his desk when Lucas breaks in while he's with Jason. They're looking for Dustin yeah. and the rest of the group and Eddie. And then they also show right when they're like getting ready to go up through the grill house, you see, and I've been slimed button on his backpack yeah on his backpack when he jumps up mm-hmm. on the floor so yeah yes number four i had and this was one that really didn't strike me actually until i watched ghostbusters again and i'm like oh well that's just that just kind of jumped right out at me and that's in the, obviously the first scene or the i guess the second scene with bill murray when he's testing the two students the blonde <laughs> and then the guy and, he, and he's you know holding up the cards it was very similar to Brenner testing yeah. 10 at the, at the beginning of episode one in season four. And, you know, 10 even has the electrode things on his mm-hmm. head and everything like that. And they're drawing the picture. So I just, I, I don't know if it's a riff on that or not, but it, it certainly kind of rang my bell when I saw it. Oh, so yeah. I, I, Have you, you've, I know you saw afterlife, but did you sit through all the in credit stuff? Yes, I did. So they show it's Sigourney Weaver testing him yeah yeah bill murray's got the little buzzers yeah that was good too and number three we've got finn wolfhard and he has an instagram pic when ivan reitman and dan Aykroyd agreed to let them use the costumes and they sent them a gift bag and finn posted it on his instagram page showing like the little note that they sent him with the gift bag and then also finn obviously stars in ghostbusters afterlife and then there's a sequel coming in December of this year. That's right. So you got to think that he was cast in Ghostbusters after this whole thing with. For sure. With the costumes and stuff, right? No. Yeah, he yeah. had to. And they. Yeah. Which I was very nervous about the sequel or about Afterlife just in general. I well, was, I was too, especially after the. the it got pushed back and. 
yeah i didn't i didn't like the melissa mccarthy version at all with, oh no um, no we pretend Chris that, hemsworth and yeah we pretend just, that one doesn't yeah. exist yeah but the afterlife was so so good like i sobbed sobbed oh it was it was really really good they did a great job with it i thought yeah yeah so Number two, this is kind of like a deep cut Easter egg kind of thing, but I, I tripped on this. I was flipping through the Reddit, uh, the Stranger Things Reddit, and the Stranger Things lead makeup artist, Amy Forsyth, who has two Emmy nominations, no, but no wins for Stranger Things, her work on Stranger Things, posted on Instagram way back when, when they were devising the makeup and costumes and stuff for Marissa, the librarian mm-hmm. that that Hopper went out with. <laughs> so she posted an Instagram pic and said, I gave this Ghostbusters reference photo for Marissa, the librarian. And I think my team nailed it. And so it's the picture of Marissa. And then the next picture is Annie Potts. Of Janine. As, as Janine. So she actually yeah. pulled the look for Marissa, the librarian from Janine and Ghostbusters, which I thought was kind of a neat little That's thing. That's hilarious. So, yeah, it's, it's really neat. So I'll post a link to that too, so you guys mm-hmm. can see that. Other little bonus things before we get to number one, and obviously you guys already know what number one is before we even get to it, but there was that whole thing, and you wrote about this actually in your article too, with Lucas at the end of season two saying, you know, judgment day, you know, it's going to be judgment day if everything goes wrong. And then there was that scene with Ray and Winston in the car when they're kind of pulling back into the city and they talk about judgment day. Will's lunchbox, and this one I couldn't really figure out. I went back and watched it a couple of times. I knew Will had a Ghostbusters lunchbox when that scene when bob drives him to school and then drops him off mm-hmm. and it looks like it's a red plaid lunchbox with the ghostbusters logo in the middle of it i'm just wondering if it's maybe just a boring red plaid lunchbox that he slapped a sticker on it or something oh like maybe. will the character did yeah because it didn't really look like a ghostbusters lunchbox per se because it was like this red plaid kind of background which didn't really well and i could you know with with them like being like joy's not having very much money a lot of the time what you know maybe that's what he did to make up for yeah yeah, but I mean, the Ghostbusters logo is definitely is on his lunchbox. So uh, obviously the uh, Ghostbusters cereal was lining the shelves of the Big Buy in um, season three when they take Elle there to treat her wound. And then at, in, uh, at the beginning of season four, when Robin and Steve are in the family video, the VHS of Ghostbusters is very quick, but you can kind of see it as it's panning um, one one you know, from one side to the other. So just a couple of little Ghostbusters things, which leads us to number one. Which I don't even feel like we have to tell anybody what it is, but it's the costumes and there's a whole, you know, scene of the moms getting them dressed up in their very authentic looking Ghostbusters costume. And, you know, to the the tune of Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, but like, Will, they couldn't afford one. So she's sewing. Joyce is sewing Will's. Yeah, and you then, see him sewing the patch. Yep. Yeah. And then, like, they're singing the song as they, like, pull up at school. Yeah, on riding their bikes. bikes. And, yep, yep. And then, oh, there, there was also that scene in season three after the, um, what did we call it last week with the Mike episode, the Tears in the Rain speech. With, oh, uh, yeah. It's not my fault. Oh, then my you girl. see the, so, yeah, you see the picture again. So, so Will goes to Castle Byers and he cries and, and he flashes back and they, mm-hmm. and they show the Ghostbusters bit then again, yeah. too. So, yeah. Then when Jonathan drops Will off to go trick-or-treating with Mike and Lucas, you can hear Mike and Lucas playing Ghostbusters in the background. And one of them yells, don't cross the streams, because that's not ever what you're supposed to do with your proton packs, unless it's necessary to stave off a giant Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Oh, trivia, by the way, I saw somewhere, they never mentioned the words proton pack in the first Ghostbusters. They never say 
they never say proton pack. They talk about like proton, you know, electrons and, you know, that kind of stuff, but they never oh. say this is my proton and this is a proton pack. So it's kind of funny, you know, some people are saying it's like a continuity error that the kids are calling in proton packs and how would they have known because they weren't called oh proton gosh. packs. But, Calm down. but anyway, I know it's just, it's just <laughs> kind of funny. It's like, you're right. They never did say it. And yeah. then we've got the dart trap, which is exactly like, it's like a play. And I remember those, those like little kitty, like, ghostbusters toys that looked like the trap and you'd like hit a button and they open up with the hazmat markings yeah Yeah. and that's what they catch dart in and then obviously the song with the photo montage and in credits you hear ray parker jr yeah it plays again at the end credits yeah Yeah. oh another little bit of trivia and this was kind of funny because i always i had always remembered this one but then i kind of forgot it debbie gibson is in my first crush like yeah is the girl in Tavern on the Green having her birthday party when Lewis... When he runs up to the... Yeah, when Lewis runs up to the restaurant, which is Tavern on the Green in Central Park. So, and it's actually kind of confusing. In a lot of places, they they show the wrong girl because there's a girl like right against the window. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, that's Debbie Gibson, but it's not her. It's the girl at the table behind her with the balloons. You'll see there's like balloons at a table why? and like, debbie why gibson she, she was just an extra she just happened to you know be around i guess i mean she wasn't an actor oh i mean she hadn't even put but, out her but she was novel. already no she, oh, hadn't she even, had no she was like 14 oh. 13 or 14 because she's uh oh. she's about a year older than i am so she would have been yeah 12 13 14 somewhere in there so she, yeah she hadn't even put out her first album yet but so she's, she's not the girl right in the front next to lewis on the other side of the glass but it's you you never even get a great shot at her face but you know. mm-hmm but she's right at the table with the balloon. So a little bit of trivia there. So, so Rick Moranis, though, he didn't quit acting after Ghostbusters 2. It was after Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, because he did all the Honey, I Shrunk. He did the two Honey, I Shrunk the yeah. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the nicest guy. And then he did that. His wife. He did the Mint Mobile commercial with uh, Ryan Reynolds a couple months ago. Did you see that one? I don't think I did. All yeah. I remember is Bill Burr's skit during, or no, it was his stand. It was his open air at uh, like Saturday Night Live. And he was talking about like how things were going in 2020 and like, or maybe it was like 20, early 2021. And he was like, Oh, Ricky took one in the chops. Cause like some random dude just ran up and punched Rick Marinas in the face. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, New York's back. <laughs> that's, that's great. All right. So I think that does it for our side of things. Let's, you want to get into some emails? Let's do it. I'll take the first one. So our first email is from Sophie and she says, hey guys. So for me, Ghostbusters is definitely one of the classics. I've seen it several times and it always makes me laugh. I just recently got my Stay Puft Marshmallow Man Funko Pop. Oh, I've seen those actually. I also have a Vinkman Funko Pop. I think that Stranger Things gives off the same vibe as Ghostbusters and they are both so fun to watch. I was thinking that maybe you guys could do another top 10 favorite lines. I have so many and I would love to share all of them. Well, Sophie, you go ahead and share all those. Maybe we'll just read like one a week. Yeah. It'd be like Sophie's line of the week. Yeah. Yeah. There's no rules. Just you can email. <laughs> there are in, no rules. Email in whatever you want. So, and yeah. all right. Ellie says, Hey, Colin and Whitney, I'll send my email about Ghostbusters soon. Probably. I have to find some time to watch it. I recently watched Raiders and loved it. Also, February 16th, which is today, is the first day of Greek Halloween since we don't celebrate Halloween here. Ours is called, I'm just going to kill this, Apocris. We'll, we'll see if that was right. It's mainly on a day called Chignopempty, which translates directly to smell of burning meat. Smell- Thursday. What? Smell of burning meat Thursday. That's what the Greek 
Chick Chicknopepti means. I don't think I this. like that. <laughs> it's the last Thursday in which we're supposed to eat meat before the big Lent before Easter. Most people only fast on the week before Easter, but traditionally you're supposed to fast for four weeks. Anyway, you can dress up the days afterwards too. And my school is organizing a party and my best friends and I are going as kiss, Mary kill. I'm going to be kill wearing a long black and red vampire dress with a vampire collar. And I have a knife with the clear blade so that when the blade is downwards, kind of the fake blood runs down from the handle. Mm. My friend is wearing, my friend is Mary, doing Mary, and she is wearing her mom's actual wedding dress. How cool is that? My other friend is still looking for a dress for Kiss. I don't know why I thought this would interest <laughs> you, but here it is. Anyway, you can read it on the podcast or not. Well, we just did. We did. And I, I actually thought for Kiss, she could dress up like a Hershey Kiss. I think that'd be kind of funny. Oh, like, see, I big... thought just like a red dress and like have on red lipstick. Oh, that'd be good too. Simple yeah. and I like Hershey Kiss. Hershey kiss would be cool. So then she writes back later and says, I actually saw Ghostbusters and liked it a lot. I do have a couple petty questions, though. One, where the heck was Venkman hiding when the marshmallow <laughs> melted and blew up? Everybody else was covered from head to foot. And here he is with the tiniest bit on his hair and shoulders. I wonder if it was a Matthew Modine type of thing where Bill refused to be covered in marshmallow. That wouldn't shock me. I actually noticed that. Like, I remember mm -hmm. noticing that. He just has like a hilarious. little bit. I remember like, I thinking on his it was hair. hilarious when I saw it for the first time. I'm like, that is just so classic that he didn't get anything on him. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really funny. Two, why the heck was nobody eating the marshmallow? I would be. <laughs> <laughs> it was very clearly shaving cream or something, though. In the, yeah. In the actual and Lucas, dear, what do you mean nobody likes Winston? I loved Winston. I also love uh, Winston. I did, too. Yeah, he was really good. I think he has a bit much bigger role in the Afterlife sequel. What oh, Winston does? Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. All right. Our next email is from Harriet. She says, hi, Colin and Whitney. First off, the Mike deep dive intrigued me greatly. I thought there would be less Mike love. And the Ghostbusters, the ghost bed scene was a little bit weird. How is this PG? Well, Harriet, welcome to the 80s. No, it was either PG or R. So it yeah. wasn't going to be R. PG-13 was... Didn't exist. A, but a, the two, months from, two months from existing. Yeah, really. But the montage of them running around New York was so fun. I'm always up for a crime-finding moment. The green ghost honestly kind of looked like a 2018 Snapchat filter, speaking from seeing people. But it was still kind of jump scary. And I wonder how long it, it would take to eat the Twinkie. What are those? Never eaten one in my lifetime. Okay, stop. Yeah. Right there. So. There is no better snack food in the world than Twinkies. I they disagree. Are my, they are my all-time go-to favorite. Really? Thing ever. Love and I, mean, I think a I, lot of it is I, I had them so much when I was a kid and there's no 7-Eleven for miles in any direction here. So I can't, you can't, I mean, they, they kind of sell them in the stores, but it was kind of like going into 7-Eleven and getting a Twinkie, you know? So oh. yeah, a lot of them here just have like the, you know, Drake's cakes and little Debbie and stuff like that. You can still find them here, but it's not as prevalent as it was when I was growing up, but I love Twinkies. So, so Harriet, if there was a way I could send one to you, I would I would send one to you. Well, she's asked what it is. It's it's a it's sponge cake. It's like I don't know if they have sponge cake in Australia, but it's a very yeah, it's like, like yellow cake, like yeah, yellow, like, like cake. super moist cake, and inside is filled with like a white like cream. Yeah, whipped cream. Yeah, yeah, they're delicious, and they've got like they are. If you go to county fairs here, you'll have like fried Twinkies, chocolate covered Twinkies. There's yep. they they do all sorts of stuff with them. So uh, love a good Twinkie. Colin will say you're missing out. I, I don't really like them. They're all right. I mean, they're good, but I, I don't like crave them or anything. I can't remember the last time I've had one. Yeah. Okay. And she says, and I caught the exterminators reference, which she's talking about where the lady is like, what are you guys? A bunch I of little, little exterminators. Little exterminators. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
She says, and a mini life update. On the 19th, I turned 13. Oh, happy early birthday, Harriet. Happy birthday, Harriet. And Sophie G, I have the same Funko Pop as you. I also got the one from the end of season four from one of my cousins. I had to explain to her who he was. I also watched Strictly Ballroom recently. It was really, really good. My favorite characters were definitely Fran's dad and Kylie. They are hilarious. I don't I've know. never seen Strictly Ballroom, actually. I don't it's even know what that Baz is. Lerman's, it's Boz Lerman's first movie. He did oh, you know, Romeo and Juliet yeah, yeah, and yeah. Newland version. Yeah, but I've never seen Strictly Ballroom, actually. Me either. Well, if you liked that, then I would imagine you would like the 1995 version of Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge. Hmm? Australia, not so much. And, and I love Nicole Kidman. And it was mm. not, not that good. Didn't he do the one that just came out recently, Babylon? No, he did. Um, he did Elvis. The Elvis one mm. with Austin Butler. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Damien, Damien Chazelle did Babylon. Oh, but yes. Okay. Similar look, but yeah. Yeah, no, he did the Elvis movie. Which was good, except for Tom Hanks, who was terrible. But <laughs> that's my hot take. Okay, next email is from Aiden. Hey, Colin and Whitney, Aiden's back. I don't remember Ghostbusters that much, but I do remember liking it. I'm a fan of scary movies, and this was one of my first ones. I know it's not that scary, but it was scary for five-year-old me. I also want to say that it was my birthday in January. Happy birthday, Aiden. Is everybody having birthdays? Everybody's having birthdays. Yeah, it feels like all of our kids are having birthdays. Yeah, kind of cool. And I finally got the Stranger Things light bright. Oh, that's really cool. It's Uh, so fun and satisfying. Oh, do you really? I don't have one yet. I just haven't put it together. It's so fun and satisfying to see finished. I have a suggestion for more episodes too. I agree that you should do a Dustin episode and a Max episode. I would have six pages worth of information and opinions about her if you did. Well, we will get. To uh, I, I think I think we'll do Max before we do Dustin. Dustin's good. We, we talked about that already. It's going to be kind of hard to do because there's no real controversy with Dustin. No, it's everybody just, loves Dustin. Yeah, talking about all his funny lines. Yeah. Yes. All right. Next email is from Sam. They say, Sam here. So me and my family love to watch Ghostbusters yearly on Halloween. It's one of our, one of my fave movies. And I think Bill Murray was cast perfectly for this role. My favorite scene is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man destroying downtown Manhattan. I also like Vince Clortho, Rick Moranis as the key master. He's really funny in Ghostbusters. I like in season two of Stranger Things how the boys dress as Ghostbusters for Halloween. Also, Dart in season two kind of looks like the slob monster that slimes Dr. Venkman. His name's Slimer. Plus Slimer. Plus the when fun fact, they made a Ghostbusters cartoon which I loved as a little girl. I remember it. Yeah, loved it. Mm-hmm. Saturday morning cartoons and Slimer was their buddy. He like helped yeah. them. He was like he was like a little bit mischievous and would sometimes cause problems, but he was a good guy. He was like their pet. Yeah, it was like a little sidekick kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he also adds. Plus, the possessing of Vince and Dana reminded me of when Will got possessed by the Mind Flayer in season two. Peace out, scoopers. Next email is from Caden. Hey, Colin and Whitney. Whitney, you said this was your favorite film, and I can see why. It's really good and easy to get into. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would give it a solid 8.5. All right. I'll take it. And here is my list of influences. Number four, this may be weird, but in the beginning when the books and stuff were floating, it kind of reminded me of Elle's powers. I can see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Number three, they both have a group of four people, three white and one black. Not that it matters. I just noticed that. And they also have a girl with powers. Mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. that too. Number two, they're both a mix of comedy and horror, which is, yeah, it is. It's, it's, I mean, Ghostbusters is, I mean, they really, I don't, I I like, I don't even consider it horror anymore. It's just comedy to me, but I feel like little kids, it is scary. It's scary. It's one of those things that you could like do a a fake trailer and make Mm -hmm. it a horror movie. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yes. Like they did with Jaws. Right. Yeah. And then number one, obviously the season two Halloween costumes, of course. Yes. 
All right. So that does it with Ghostbusters emails. And we had a couple other off-topic emails and stuff like that. We'll we'll blow through and then yes. we'll tell you what we're doing next. All right. Uh, we had a message from Jeremy on Facebook and he said, hey, guys, I'm a new listener and I sent you an email as well. Well, I don't agree with you guys on some things. Well, what things, Jeremy? Yeah. I can't. You can't just say some things. I need to know. <laughs> One thing I do agree on is I don't understand the hate for Mike. Thank you. I believe that he is a genuinely good person. One thing I always noticed was that in season three, when Elle was taking her powers to a different level, Mike was concerned and tried to talk her down. Everybody then yelled at Mike, and I always thought, well, excuse him for being a caring boyfriend. Exactly. He was like, he was afraid she was going to get brain damage. Those are my thoughts that I couldn't get to you for the Mike episode and I, as I just started listening. Me and a couple of my friends are starting up a Stranger Things podcast in a couple weeks, and we'd appreciate it if you checked it out. It's currently not up yet, but we're hoping soon. It's called Stranger Nerds. Well, Jeremy... When you get that up, you let us know, and we will check it out. Absolutely. Next one's from Eve. Hey, Colin and Whitney. Been meaning to write in for a while. My name's Eve, and I'm 16. I just wanted to say that I love your podcast, and I would love for it to continue until Netflix graces us with season five. It will. Uh, We're here for the long haul. Yeah. I'm in the UK, so when your podcast drop when your podcast drops on Spotify, <laughs> when your podcast <laughs> drops on Spotify, it's in the middle of the night for me, and I have to catch up really fast. Please keep it going. I'm a massive fan. Eve, we're here for you and yes. everybody else. And don't you feel like you have to rush because you've got two weeks before the next one comes out? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Our next email is from Gina, and she says, hello, Colin and Whitney. My name is Gina, and I listen from Knoxville, Tennessee. My family is from Kentucky originally, so it's fun to listen to you talk about very on-brand Kentucky things, Whitney. I'm really curious as to what I've said now. Like, what is on brand? Yeah, you, you just talk about Lexington. And, well, I know, and, but I'm just, know, like, curious yeah. if there's anything yeah. specific. Like, if I mentioned Alien <laughs> 1, like, hot browns? I don't know. Anyways, I found you all during the Wait for Season 4, Volume 2. I work in HR, so when I have a spreadsheet to plow through, I like a great, easy listening podcast about TV or pop culture. Stranger Things has been my favorite show slash hyper-focus since 2016, replacing Fringe after almost a decade. I loved Fringe. I never watched it, but I was always I was always interested. Oh, I feel like you would like Fringe. Yeah, I think I would. It gets kind of like it almost gives X Files kind of X Files slash Lost vibes a little bit. Yeah. So she continues and says, "I've been catching up, listening to Scoops, and just listened to the one talking about top five things I change. And you all were talking about shows with Stranger Things vibes." to film the void i have a new fave that i highly recommend especially to the younger crowd that listens y'all i'm 34 so this is definitely still an ask your parents before watching but netflix's show lockwood and company was a fabulous surprise watch for me it's based on a british YA book series and it's set in a kind of what if modern timeline its leads are teen ghost hunters slash fighters it feels very x-files like if Mulder and scully met his teens and fought ghosts instead of aliens She's like the third person that's mentioned this Lockwood and Company and asked if I've watched it. I haven't, but I want to. Yeah, I've I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it either. Yes. So she says, I feel based on yours and Colin's taste, you would both also enjoy it. It's very tame compared to even Stranger Things, but that doesn't take away from any of the well-written scripts, great world building, and the very talented cast. I did not feel like I was watching a kid's show, but it was nice to not feel physically assaulted after viewing like some grim dark shows of the last decade. It's sitting at a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I really need people to watch it, so next Netflix will greenlight a season two. That's the thing about Netflix, man, is they just, unless it's Stranger Things, you have no idea if, that, if your season's going to get, if your show's going to get another season. I, I just saw that they're taking down Arrested Development, and they, they did the last two or three seasons of Arrested Development. It was their production, and they're taking yeah. off 
in like a month they're getting rid of why Netflix is getting rid of all of arrested development i have no idea i just i just saw that before we started recording yeah that's a show that gosh that's like a show that we watch but it's, all that's the their show yeah I mean, it's their sh- and it's produced i mean they don't need to do any more it's just sitting on their site why right. would they you know so i don't know they're weird Okay, next email is from Stefan. Hey, Whitney. Hi, Colin. First of all, a huge thank you for mentioning my two long emails in the Goonies episode. And yet, hope to hear a lot about your thoughts about the annoying Byler shippers and your dislike for the character Will. I see most of it in a completely different way, but that's what makes it so fascinating. Everybody can find the character he likes and he identifies with. But be prepared. If you make an episode about Will once, there will be another long email. (laughs) Now to Mike. I don't get it why there's so much hate for him because he's portrayed in a very realistic way, sometimes annoying, emotional, unreasonable teenage boy in the middle of puberty, like almost every boy at that time. When he falls in love with Elle, Mike gets completely lost in a way, forgetting about all his friends, which is realistic too. I had many of those friends when I was a teenager. I think this makes his relationship to Will all the more interesting because in the first two seasons, he tries everything to get his friend back just to ignore them, just to ignore him then in season three and four. This doesn't make any sense, like so many things teenagers do. So I get it why people don't like that behavior, but it doesn't make Mike a bad person. In general, I think Mike is a strong, passionate, loyal, and dedicated character, but also insecure, which is why he's afraid to lose Elle. As a mean little biler, and just to stir the pot a little, compared to other couples like Max and Lucas, Joyce and Hopper, even Nancy and whoever she's interested in, Mike's relationship with Elle seems a little odd. There aren't a lot of those emotional, cute little scenes that show the strong feelings between them like there are with the other couples I mentioned. Most of the time that Mike and Elle are together, they have problems. She dumps his ass, for example, can't say, he can't say, I love you, and so on. Even his great monologue in season four was something that Will had to motivate him to say. So regardless of the question if Mike has feelings for Will, which I'm not sure about, I don't think that Mike and Eleven have a long future as a couple, also because I'm certain that <gasps> Elle is going to die in season five. Nope. Nope. No, I don't think it's going to happen either, but it just may be one of those typical first boyfriend, girlfriend things you have as a teenager. Most of them don't last a lifetime. Well, I feel like you're also forgetting that Max and Lucas like bicker nonstop. How many times has Max broken up with Lucas? And broke up. Yeah. And they broke up like like, four times or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then like, I think think they're just, they're just keeping it realistic. I mean, that's, that's just how it is. And also she doesn't, she, she is not like socially, what's the word I'm talking, like I'm looking for. Socio-normative. She's, well, she just doesn't, she's like, hasn't been exposed to how people act in real life. She's been in a lab her whole life. So she's struggling to act normal. So, and also, yeah, like, I don't think Elle's going to die. Not because, like, I don't think that, I don't think that would be, I I would hate it personally if she did. I don't think that's a stupid theory, though. But it's, the Duffers have said that they're not, that it's just too... It's, it makes the show too depressing, basically. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any way that they could kill any of the, the main people. They're it, like, it would just, you know. It would, they're like, we don't want to ruin it. Like, I, I mean, it, I, it, it would, would kill the show for everybody. Yeah, it you, would make you'd me never hate go it. Back and, nope. Yeah, you'd never go back and watch it again. No, I, I wouldn't. Know. Yeah. No, so, okay. Our next email is from Esme, and she says, Hey, Colin and Winnie, I have a lot of thoughts on Mike, so I'm going to break it down season by season. All right, let's go. Season one. Mike is so sweet in season one, and if anyone asks, I've left the country is probably my favorite line of his. He's the leader of the party, motivates, and looks after everyone. He's so kind to Elle, but I will always be creeped out by how young he and Elle were when they had their first kiss. How old were they? Like 12? 12, 13. 11 or 12, maybe? 12, yeah. Yeah, that's... 13, 13, 13, probably? 
No, they were in like sixth grade. I, I mean, think, for a kiss. I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, fine. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to judge anybody. Yeah. I really yeah. do like Mike in this season, especially when he's getting everyone to look for Will. Season two, Mike is so mopey in this season. I get that he misses Elle, but he's so mean to Max throughout the whole thing. And it's constantly rude when she's so nice to him and tries to understand him. Even when Max knows about everything he says, how she can't be in the party and it's unnecessarily rude. Despite that, he is so sweet and kind to Will and is always looking after him. Season three, Mike is still mopey in this season, being really mean to Will and constantly hung up on Elle. You know what? Maybe Will was just really annoying. That's how I feel about things in season three. Could be. I mean, sure. yeah, let's look at it from the other side. Or he's just a uber hormonal teenage boy in his first <laughs> relationship. <laughs> Has no idea what's going on. Um, He never hangs out with his friends or helps them when they need it because of L. Mike is quite boring in this season. Season four. I love season three, Mike. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the, yeah, the, the but, star court mall yeah. shopping. And, yeah. Season four. And, Mike is. There's okay. nothing wrong with Nana. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Nana. <laughs> <laughs> okay season four mike is okay this season i don't really like his plot line so i care much less but the part where he can't say he loves l is just pathetic i mean just say it he's less moby though and i thought his monologue when l was in the red world was very good i thought he was very naive in episodes one though when he was arguing with will p.s i'm watching stranger things with my mom and we just watched the lost sister episode somehow she enjoyed it i don't know what's wrong with her but i definitely disagree Maybe there are there are some pretty fierce defenders out there of the Lost Sister episode. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. yeah, but they're just wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> like I can't like there's they're just empirically incorrect. Yeah, like, yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't be right all the time. I guess like, that's right. <laughs> All right, so that does it for this episode. Thank you for all the emails and everybody writing in. And and like we said earlier, I mean, if you have. Some top five lines or something. Just, just email them to us. You don't, you don't have to they might not make it into the immediate. If like we get a ton, they yeah. might not make it into the yeah. immediate next episode, but we'll work them in. Yeah, we'll get in there. So yeah. we will be back on March 2nd, and uh, we're going to go back to our top five series, and we're going to do top five scariest moments throughout the history of Stranger Things. So the scenes that made you jump, made you freak out, made you go, oh my gosh, can I really keep watching this despite Dustin being all cute and funny? Those kind of things. So the scary. Yes. Those kind of things. So if you could get stuff to us by, let's see, we're going March 2nd. So probably February 26th, 27th, somewhere there. As always, you can email us at scoopshoypod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at scoopshoypod, on Facebook at scoopshoypod. You can interact with us there as well. And if you like our podcast, we would love it if you subscribe and leave us a review specifically on Apple iTunes because that helps us get in front of other listeners like yourself. And if you want to join our Discord server, you can find the link on our Twitter page. There's a bunch of people there now, and they're all chit-chatting, and it's a good time, and you can say hi to me and call them, So, And you can e email us, too, if you need the link, whichever is yes, easier. Yes, yeah. yes. But as always, I want to thank everybody for listening, and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.